You've probably heard the saying before, the writing is on the wall. Well, that actually comes from the Bible, from Daniel chapter 5, a story about King Belshazzar having a drunken party. This hand appears and writes his condemnation. It was a scary omen, if you will. And he went from a drunken party to being pale, his knees knocking together, and showing once again that God is sovereign over history and sovereign over our lives. We'll learn more about that today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get to today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. For your gift of any size, we would like to give you the free DVD, Dark Dangers of the Occult. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Now, all the king's wise men, verse 8, or not so wise men, came in, but they could not read the inscription or make known its interpretation to the king. Um, sometimes uh, the, the way I see these guys walking into the room is almost like slapstick comedy, you know? Here we are again, boss. <laughs> well, what do you want us to read? Well, they're, they're not reading anything, right? Maybe they can read it, but they're not going to be able to give the interpretation. I think this is the third strike, don't you? So after three strikes, you're out. I would stop calling these guys. But the king, King Belshazzar, was... Uh, it says, all the king's wise men, they could not read the inscription or make notes in its interpretation to the king. King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed. His face grew even paler, uh, if that's possible, to become more pale, more blood drained out of his face. His nobles were perplexed. And the queen, this is the queen mother, entered the banquet hall. She apparently heard what was going on. Because of the words of the king and his nobles, the queen, the queen spoke and said, O king, live forever. That's not going to happen. Do not let your thoughts alarm you or your face be pale. Now, I can appreciate what the queen mother was saying, but it was time to panic. Here's what she says. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is a spirit of the holy gods or the holy God. And in the days of your father or your grandfather, Illumination, insight, wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, appointed him chief of the magicians, conjurers, Chaldeans, and diviners. Everybody pause. Look up for a second. How does he not know about Daniel? Are you kidding me? Why is it that the queen mother has to inform him that he's got somebody like Daniel in his kingdom? This means that Daniel is no longer head of the wise men. Maybe he's you know, been put somewhere else. I don't know why or why he doesn't know about Daniel, but he doesn't. This was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge, verse 12, insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation of enigmas, solving of difficult problems. Wouldn't you want this guy on your team? Were found in this Daniel, whom the king na named Belteshazzar. Let Daniel now be summoned, and he will declare its interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king 13. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you the Daniel who is uh, one of the exiles from Judah whom my father the king brought from Judah? I think Daniel probably just nodded. Now I have heard about you that a spirit of the gods is in you and that illumination, insight, and ex extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. 
Just now the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me that they might read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me. But they could not declare the interpretation of the message. But I personally have heard about you that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you are able to read the, the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck and you will have authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, by the way, Daniel's probably about 80 at this point. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, keep your gifts for yourself. Give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. Now, I think Daniel, he's 80. He's like, been there, done that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'll make known to you the interpretation, but you can keep your gifts. You can give them to somebody else. By the way, you're going to be dead in a little while. <laughs> Something like that. So he says, O king, the Most High God granted or gave sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. And because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever, who, whomever he wished, he killed. That is almost everyone except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And who, whomever he spared, he wished, he spared alive. Whomever he wished, he elevated. And whomever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and the glory, his glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind. His heart was made like that of the beasts. His dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the most high God is ruler over the realm of mankind and that he sets over it whomever he wishes. Mark that, Bible students. Yet you, his son or his grandson, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. Now that tells us something, doesn't it? It tells us that Belshazzar knew this story. He knew about Nebuchadnezzar being humbled. But here's, I think, the kicker of it all. Those who don't learn from history are bound to repeat it. Have you heard that before? Do you know why you've heard that before? Because it's true. Those who don't learn from history are bound to repeat it. And we've seen it in the book of Daniel. And Daniel, bold, he addresses the king, but he says, look, you haven't humbled your heart. You knew this, but you've exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven, 23. And they have brought the vessels of his house before you. You and your nobles, your wives, your concubines have been drinking wine from them. You have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, hear, or understand. Write down Psalm 115, verses 1 through 8. But the God in whose hand your life, breath, and your ways, you have not glorified. If you have an NIV, it says, but you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. This, brothers and sisters, is one of the most powerful Bible verses I think I've ever come across. God holds in his hand our very life, breath, and all our ways. Do you think that most people walking around our city believe that tonight? Do you think that most people 
who live in our country believe that God holds their very life in his hands. Their very breath is a gift. Each breath is a gift from God. Well, that's what Daniel told a king who could have killed him right on the spot. Can I apply it to us? Why is it that we don't learn from history? Why do we have to repeat the same mistakes over and over again? Why do we keep circling around without taking the off-ramp? Take the off-ramp. I don't know. I kind of like the sights around here. I don't think I'm going to take the off-ramp. And we go around and around in habitual sin patterns, knowing that the same thing that bit us the last time will bite us again. This is the struggle. And so... Daniel's before the king and he says, look, man, you've mocked God. Here's the unvarnished truth. The hand was sent from him and this inscription was written out. Therefore, he sent the hand and wrote the inscription NIV. Here it is. Now, this is the inscription that was written out. Many, many tekel upharsin or uparsin. Many means numbered. It uh, has a repetition for emphasis, so it could be numbered, numbered, or counted, counted. Reading in this language from right to left. Tekel means weighed or assessed. The king did not measure up. And uparsin, the plural of perez, verse 28, means divided. So it's many, many tekel uparsin. Now, the magi who were brought in, do you think that they knew the language? I think they did. So here's the interpretation. This is the message. Many, God has numbered your kingdom. Your days are numbered and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient or wanting. Perez or uparsin, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. Have a nice evening. <laughs> now, hey, look, if you're a prophet of God and you've been asked to give an interpretation, hurry up, bring that Daniel guy in. I know he can figure it out. All right, King, you might want to sit down for this one. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, let me straighten you out on a few things about what you've been doing. You've been dishonoring God. Here's the interpretation. You, your uh, days are numbered. In fact, it's over. You've been weighed in the scales and you've been found deficient. And your kingdom is going to be given over to the Medes and the Persians. And uh, there's the message. Uh, robe, uh, necklace, please. Now, we know Daniel didn't care about those things, but his kingdom was over. Should Belshazzar have known? Well, the dream in Daniel chapter 2 told us the head of gold would be supplanted by the arms and chest of silver. Daniel 7 will expound on that some more. Why didn't he know? Uh, J. Vernon McGee says, there's a story of a man who's a foreigner in this country. He was finally persuaded by his daughter to go to church, although he had great difficulty understanding English. However, he agreed to go with his daughter. Her name was Minnie. On that Sunday, the preacher was teaching on Daniel 5. He came to the portion of the passage where the writing on the wall was read, many, many tekel uparsin. Immediately, the father grabbed his daughter and stormed out of the church. Father, what in the world's the matter? With a heavy heart 
and an accent, he replied, did you hear what that preacher said? He said, many, many, come tickle the parson or the priest. <laughs> You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, what do you know about the occult? In the month of October, the number one theme is Halloween. Houses are decorated and kids drag their parents to the store to get the costume they want to wear for their holidays trick-or-treat night. There are those that take the holiday on a darker path. What do you know about the occult? People are often fascinated with it, but it is far from innocent. It is dangerous. God warned his people in the Bible to understand what it is and have nothing to do with it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is a DVD available to you this month by Pastor Michael Lance. The video includes teachings and interviews that will help expose the occult for what it is and shine the light of Christ's power over it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is available as a thank you when you give a donation of any size in support of Walk in Truth. Call 844-48-TRUTH today. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. J. Vernon McGee says, there's a story of a man who was a foreigner in this country. He was finally persuaded by his daughter to go to church, although he had great difficulty understanding English. However, he agreed to go with his daughter. Her name was Minnie. On that Sunday, the preacher was teaching on Daniel 5. He came to the portion of the passage where the writing on the wall was read, many, many, tekel, you parson. Immediately, the father grabbed his daughter and stormed out of the church. Father, what in the world's the matter? With a heavy heart and an accent, he replied, did you hear what that preacher said? He said, many, many, come tickle the parson or the priest. <laughs> that's a little J. Vernon McGee humor for you there. No, that's not what he said, Dad. Then Belshazzar gave orders, and they clothed Daniel with purple. Not that Daniel wanted it, but that's what he promised. So they put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he was now, he had authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, did that mean much to Daniel, knowing what was about to happen? Thanks for the position, but uh, this is going to be short-lived. And that same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. He grew overconfident. Belshazzar would die that night. Here's a little bit of history. Uh, one ancient account alleged that the Persian general Ugbaru had troops dig a trench to divert and thus lower the water of the Euphrates River. Since the river flowed through the city of Babylon, the lowered water enabled besiegers to unexpectedly invade via the waterway under the thick walls. 87 feet thick, 300 to 350 feet high. So broad and strong were the walls of Babylon that chariots four side by side could parade around the top of the walls and reach the palace before the city was aware. So they lowered the river, dammed it up in some way, lowered the water level, and began to sneak in. The city was equipped with grain and water that would last for years, as I mentioned. The city likely grew overconfident like its uh, leader, thinking that the city was impenetrable, 15 miles square. But the end came quickly as uh, Belshazzar was slain on the night of October, uh, 
I believe I've got 16th, or it might have been the 12th, 539 B.C. October 539 B.C., Babylon and the kingdom of Babylon came to a close. See, kingdoms rise up and kingdoms fall, but God is sovereign, and he's over a kingdom which will last forever. What happened to Belshazzar? What happened to uh, Babylon? Simply this, they forgot or at least forgot to heed the word of God. Because did they have the word of God? They did. They had interpretations from Daniel. They had probably Daniel sharing the truth about the God of Israel. But they chose to forget. And so Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about age 62. We'll uh, learn a little bit more about him uh, probably Darius is, Darius is not a name, but an honored title. Some believe the title for Cyrus, who uh, with his army entered Babylon uh, October 29th, 539 B.C. It is used in inscriptions for at least five Persian rulers. History mentions no specific man named Darius the Mede. In 628, it's possible to translate Darius even as Cyrus, a less likely possibility is that Darius is a second name for Gubaru, the uh, general of the army. And uh, we'll learn a little bit more about this. But here's what happened. The writing was on the wall. Belshazzar ignored it. And it was uh, his own demise. Now, I want to close with some good news. The writing of the ordinance of, ordinances of the law was against us. When Jesus was on the cross, there was a written charge over his head. You might remember it said, Jesus, King of the Jews. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took the law, the ordinances, the, those things which were against us, contrary to us, because we had broken the law, and he nailed the written code which was against us to the cross and erase the blackboard of my sin. Every sin that I've ever committed, all the writing on the wall that could be written against Michael Lance in John chapter 8, when Jesus is on the ground writing and some believe that he was writing out the sins of the people ready to stone the woman caught in the act of adultery. How many things could heaven's fingers write against me? In thought, word, deed, and even sins of omission, oh my goodness. If heaven has a record of my sins, it's a long list. It's a big file. It's a long scroll. It's a long sheet of paper. Anybody else? Are you in the same boat as I? If God kept a record of sin, oh Lord, who could stand? Certainly not I. But with you, forgiveness. But with you, amazing grace, the written code that was against Michael Lance, all the times I have broken God's law in my actions, in my thoughts, in my motives, in what I have omitted that I should have done, Jesus Christ, God, the King of heaven, came down to pay the ransom and to erase the writing on the wall 
that was against me. And had he not done that, brothers and sisters, can I just say to you tonight, I would be dust, condemned, and rightly so. But my God is so good that he's left me a written record of the gospel. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin. And if you have read this written record, you know that there's some hard chapters. We just read one tonight. And sometimes you're in church and you're like, oh, oh my goodness, I, I, I just want to duck behind the pew for a while. <laughs> That's me. But then you hear of a Savior who came for sinners like you and me to save us. Are you saved? The more I read the Bible, the more I realize I need a Savior. How many times have I said that as we've gone through the book of James? I need a Savior. Oh, thank you, my Redeemer has come. And he was treated on that cross as if he had committed my sins and yours, though he was totally innocent. The good news of the gospel, what we're supposed to be proclaiming on the highways and byways to lost sinners who are the same as Belshazzar, who are with their buddies, having parties, thinking it's never going to happen to me. I'm cool. I'm good. It happens to somebody else. The writing's not on the wall for me. I got news for you. It is. And you can say to somebody, the writing's on the wall. There's bad news, but I got really, really good news. There's a Savior. His name is Jesus. And he'll wash away every sin you've ever committed. That's who you are if you're a Christian. And if you're not, I would just say to you, I don't know what else to say than run, run, run to Jesus and make sure his blood, his work, his death and resurrection has been applied to your life. Amen. Father, thank you so much for your word. <clears throat> We're grateful to be together again on this Wednesday and we thank you for air conditioning. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. <clears throat> We have this comfortable building, but we don't want to be too comfortable in here, Lord, because we want to go out and proclaim the good news of a Savior who came to rescue us because we are all part of Babylon, Lord. We're all part of that world system. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, all of us, Lord. There's not one exception. But when Jesus came, he came to rescue sinners the Apostle Paul put it beautifully. This is true. You can take this to the bank. Jesus Christ came to save sinners, among whom I am the foremost. And Lord, I just want to take a moment, and I think I can speak for your people tonight, just to say thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for coming on that rescue mission. Thank you that when the the armies of Satan and sin and death were on the march. You came on a rescue mission. Help us to open our ears, open our heart to what you have for us. And if you're not a Christian tonight, here's, here's what you need to do. Something like this. Lord Jesus, please save me. Thank you that you came to rescue me. Thank you for your death on the cross. Pray it if it's you. Thank you for your resurrection from the dead. 
I trust you. Thank you for the written record of both the truth of judgment, but the truth of a savior, the truth of salvation in Jesus. I believe, I take you at your word, I trust you. I repent of my sin and place my faith in you. And I want to follow you and serve you and be an ambassador of this message, of this king and this kingdom. If you have prayed that prayer, you've opened your heart, praise God, welcome to the family. And if you are maybe rededicating your life or maybe just basking in the goodness of his grace once more, praise God. Lord, we just want to say we love you and we thank you in Jesus' holy name. We want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. For your gift of any size, we would like to give you the free DVD, Dark Dangers of the Occult. Well, here we find ourselves in the fall, quickly moving towards Halloween or All Hallows Evening. We have a special offer for you. It's called Dark Dangers of the Occult. In this series, we expose the occult for what it is and shine the light and power of Christ upon it. What is the occult, you might ask? Well, it really comes from that which is occluded, hidden, secret, mysterious, esoteric, behind the veil. And for the Christian, something that's forbidden. Some people have opened the door to the occult and opened their lives to very dark and sinister things. But there's hope, hope in the gospel of Christ and hope for those who have opened that door when they come to Jesus Christ. If you want to find out more about this product, reach out to us at 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH, or check out the website, walkintruth.com. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.